Lord, you know how hard it is Dealing with the pain day to day of a one man She can never be what I am But as long as he with me, that's what it's gonna be Welcome, welcome. This is the Simply King Podcast. It's your boy Rodney Perry, King himself, and you just tuned into the Soulfully Conscious Podcast for Humans Simply Being Humans. And today is a special one. I have yet, yet again, a extremely, extremely special guest. I feel like this is like the five. I think she might be like the record holding like guest member on my podcast. I feel like this is the fifth. You know, feature, you know what I'm saying? It feels like a either a yearly, you know what I'm saying, thing that we kind of do, just touch base with each other. And I think it's always a beautiful thing. Um, literally, Lily attempted to do something very fucking cool and do this at Ewe Fresh Farm Oasis in Atlanta, Georgia. But, you know, technology be a trip on, and it's not on your side sometimes. But nevertheless, make sure you go check out Ewe Fresh Farm Oasis in Atlanta, Georgia, in the uh, historic... Lakewood area. I feel I feel like that's the name of the neighborhood. Go and get all the things. Get healed. Feel better about yourself. Tap in. Do all the things. Go check it out. But I have here with me no no other than the great, the beautiful, the eclectic, the deep as fuck, V Buddha. How you doing? Peace, love, and light. I'm doing well. I'm doing. I'm in a very um, centered space. Let's just say that. Mm-hmm. I love and, it. Um, it's in a, it's, I'm in a good, I'm in a good space. I'm in a very good, good head space. And I'm in a good emotional state, very sp- spiritual space. And um, yeah, I'm ready to, I'm ready to explore some, some ideologies and perspectives with you. You know, I love that. Hell and yeah. Be, be good and be good and healthy. <laughs> always, always. I, I think that's the beautiful thing about talking to you is it feels like, um, it pushes me to think differently. It pushes me to think deeper um, and be specific and be intentional about what I want to say. And I think um, I think I do a good job of that on my own. But I think it's always good to feel like, you know, you're getting sharpened up with particular conversations that you have. Um, the conversation that you brought to me is one that is interesting. Um, it's one that is interesante because... Um, because it's one that I've came into kind of a realization on, on my own before. And just in ways of how I was perpetuating this particular phenomenon. And so when you said this and like kind of stamped it out, like, hey, it was interesting because it, you don't, we don't really do that. You know, we won't, they ain't using the process. Where you'd like, mm-hmm. let me know, like, hey, I got to talk to you about something. We need to talk about something. <laughs> <laughs> but I fuck with it because I do believe it's something that um I've, t- you know, tapped in and, and it's been, you know, pieces and elements of things I've spoken about in previous times. But it's never been the um the true, you know, thesis of a conti- entire episode, you know. So tell me, why did the concept and the topic of men hating women, how did that even come to you? Let's start there. 
Um, well, to be more specific, I said that heterosexual men despise women. Yes. And it was just a, a, a collection of experiences and the manner in which these men were hosting themselves in conversations that didn't necessarily hold a space for their opinions. Mm-hmm. And um, just a lot of just a lot of things. You know, when I speak to you, I only speak from experience or mm-hmm. from a very well versed in someone else's experience perspective. But I knew in hosting this conversation with you in particular it will it will cause for a unbiased masculine and feminine review of it and it will prevent us from it being more of a competitive perspective and more of a opening up the dialogue to have a very unpopular conversation about how hetero, there is a line of ideologies and approaches to certain topics and to certain women that men actually do come off a little bit. I don't like, I don't think you, I don't think you really like women. Mm. I think you just, you just here for the, you just here for the good old, get old V and then that's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you just, you just don't hold that space for them. Um, so yeah, we gonna get into it and I'm excited. I'm, 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 I'm just, just to get a better comprehension of it and understanding of it, because I know how I'm experiencing it as a woman but to see it from a man's perspective and not to suggest that you don't like women, Mm -hmm. um, but to exchange things. And then maybe in your experience, you're like, wait, I've actually been in the setting where I, I, I noticed it, but I wasn't able to process it as such. Yeah. I mean, in all honesty, I think that, um, I think it's intriguing. Like Lily earlier today, I seen a tweet that was talking about how, uh, it was a, it was a, it was a woman who I follow, and she was talking about like women be out here sharing news, sharing toys, sharing tips about sex all the time. Why don't men do that? Like I don't hear about men doing that, and I think uh-huh. it's intriguing because yeah, that don't happen. You know that don't ha- like yes, men talk about sex a lot. They talk about sex. They might not talk about what they do, how they did it what's happening to them, what they like, what made them do certain things and so on and so forth. It's usually always spoken from a standpoint of triumph, a standpoint of victory. Like, yeah, I took some shit down. It was good. And I, and I had to quote to it. And I was like, yeah, it got to be something to this. I got to really do some more content around this because in our honesty, it feels like, you know, I hear grievances from women all the time when it comes to sex. And every man I know is out here just getting good pussy. You feel me? Which I think leads to the point that I believe men enjoy, like, maybe even love pussy. But they definitely dislike and have a disdain for women. And um, I think it's unfortunate. Um, I think I've seen the uh, particular, because um, I think some some of the is embedded trends and behaviors that people, that men just echo each other with. And I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, societal indoctrination, all that. But I'm personally a person who believes that we really have to unlearn these things so that it, we're detached from that and that can't be a scapegoat forever. Cause I believe that's what essentially is happening now. I think a lot of men are starting to learn things and learn what is something that they never knew why they do this. And then finally learn what the fuck patriarchy means. Like, well, you know, that's just how it is. That's how it is. And it's going to be what it's going to be. Um, 
But in reality, that shit is hurting us in a lot of ways. It's hurting our relationships. It's a big, huge block because we're not even seeing each other. Um, if all you see is a value in um, from a sexual um, standpoint, which isn't even sensual, it's just sexual. It's just physical. It's just you know, it's just sensational. Like that's it. It's nothing deeper than that in a lot of cases. Um, and so much energy is put towards that versus so many other things for us to kind of grow and get deeper with each other. But I would say, I guess, what in your own, what, what, in, where in your own life have you noticed this thing happening the most that really, even if it's something particular moment that inspired this particular conversation, you can, you know, speak to that if you feel comfortable, but nevertheless, is there anything that you've noticed in your, in your life where it's like, yeah, this is clearly an act of, this particular trend and this particular thing amongst straight, straight black men, especially. Um, I've seen it in a lot of my um, male interactions where it's been, uh, there's already a predisposition in their relationship with their mothers. Mm. And the importance of bringing that in is to comprehend that that is the first initial form of love experience that they have and if you if you have such a a, dis, a disposition with that and there's a disrupt there's a disruption in that it often carries out into patterns and in how they treat women in their lives and um this has both been in my intimate relationships and in my friendships and such um where i find there to be a a more heightened displacement with a woman in her natural born way to lead um often being categorized as stubbornness and um my favorite to be called is a, a black woman with an attitude um but it, it, you start to find men structuring women in these stereotypical categories where it has such a negative connotation and as opposed to being able to have the opportunity to present ourselves how we are we're fighting to not be cast in, a, in the role that we're already been positioned to play. Yeah. And in a recent experience, though, I've, I've dealt with having to put into people's perspectives how men, particularly in our, our system, have made it an appointment to feel like they have an opinion on a woman's body, um, particularly being... Um, I was having a conversation with the salesman mm-hmm. and he was so convinced that he comprehended more than me about the menstrual cycle of a woman. Damn. I mean, he's, he's lecturing me. He's giving me, he's telling me how the products that I'm using are toxic and how that's the first entry of like trauma. I mean, laying it out. And I'm like, so for one, I'm already a very, conscious individual towards the products that I use because the more organic the better but it was just the the level of entitlement that he felt because of something that he retained and is only regurgitating it's not something that he knows to be factual he just knows that he's been he just knows he's been explained that uh name brand carriers like always uses recycled trash bags and that the level of carbon in there and all the toxins in there is just entering through the vaginal canal and it's causing all these fibroids and cysts and stuff and I'm sitting there like I understand that you have a sales point but you're selling to a woman 
someone that already, if she is in tune with herself, comprehends this. And in that moment, I realized that, oh, wow, we have continuously allowed men to step into conversations where they have no margin for an opinion. Like there is no lane for you to exist in these conversations. And oftentimes we find those being in the laws created for a woman's body, mm-hmm. marital laws, um, systematically when it comes to equal pay and how the word feminist has become so weaponized and things of those nature. And when you start to break those down and you really understand that, wow, there literally exists this essence that causes for there to be a displacement of in thought about women, mm-hmm. you know, where they, they aren't considered to be head of household. They're considered to just be the whites because the head of the household has to be the man. And there is no complication in that. And I don't want anyone to take my rhetoric as it being that I don't believe that the man can be the head of household. But when there is a position where you are calling for causing for there to be a codependency in those forms of intimate relationships, it's no longer just about man or woman, but it's about the one. But you will often find in a lot of conversations, people approach the man before they approach the woman. But they don't know that, you know, Everybody knows a conversation behind closed doors. And the man is like, well, let me consult with the wife. <laughs> you know, and then we, we, already, we already live in the world where they're like, you know, happy wife, happy life. Yep. But in my relationship, I let it be known, happy spouse, happy house. Mm-hmm. Because if you're not happy, then I can't be happy because you're going to keep reminding me that you're not happy. Word. But when I'm happy, you're going to feel like you're unfulfilled. You're going to feel like I'm not pouring into you, but that's a different conversation. And you and I can talk about that. But for the context of this conversation, we're talking about how in most circumstances, men are taking that lack of nurturing and lack of comprehension on how it is to exchange unconditional love with a woman to it being so conditioned to between you're supposed to cook, clean and shut up. Yeah. Wherein it could be room for there to be conversation. It could be a space for there may be something I know that you don't know, but it's never that inter- exchangeable conversations. It's more so um, the dynamics of what it is that the woman can bring to the relationship that the man determines to be valuable. Because it's always a question of like, what are you going to the table? Well, if I if I have the house that the table's in, let's get into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but just in, in routine in in Continuous conversations like that is where I'm realizing that there exists this margin of error where particularly heterosexual men have a displacement with women. Mm -hmm. And it gets a little bit more entangled, but I'm sure throughout the questions we'll get to that. But that's that's an error and it's an issue. And I think the more we allow ourselves to to acknowledge these things and address these things, Mm -hmm. that's when we'll start to find that to be a more blended acceptance amongst our community. And I say our community because me and you are part of one community, and that is the Afro-American or Black or colored or however people find considerable to whatever whatever label they put on us for now. Um, there will be a more, there will be more cohesion in there because right now it isn't. It's like it's the Black man and it's the Black woman. Yeah, and... And I, personally, I think I've been tired of it since I was shit in in high school. It just always mm. felt like an interesting divide. Um, 
And I feel like I just always, always was very aware of it. Um, and I think that's what made me so um, enamored with just relationship, enamored with socializing, enamored with how I am and how I show up in these particular spaces and still fall short even, you know, still don't do certain things correctly and learn, oh, this isn't the desired thing. Oh, oh, this is something that has just been okay and allowed for so long, but this isn't really what's wanted. So many different things. Um, first thing that you said was, you know, speaking to, you know, kind of, you know, parents and um, kind of first loves and and um, the first expressions of love and just ex- first ex- interactions with um, the same or opposite sex, which I think that's why it's so interesting and kind of, you know, pretty uh, essential for, you know, people to have, you know, some some sense of either a two-parent home or, or some sense of dynamic where they're having more than just one type of person to kind of learn and catch an essence from at an early age, especially when you're pre, uh, like pre-pubescent, when you're not even thinking about sex, you're not even thinking about these things. You're really just interacting with energy, interacting with a person, um, truly just within your innocence. I think that's how we learn. We learn so much and we take so much from that time. And I think what occurs for a lot of men is they realize this. Um, I think it could be in so many ways. They realize the, uh, the things they, they don't like in, in their mothers at the older and older they get, the unrelatableness that they might find in their mothers at the older they get. And this could be somebody who grew up in a two-parent home or not. Really don't matter. I remember I was just saying to somebody the other day, like, it's people out here who have to honestly come to grips with the, with the duality of this. Yes, your mom on paper was a quote-unquote terrible mom. But she was also the person who like kept you fed in most cases and kept you clothed in most cases. So it's this real weird dynamic, you know, um, where it's like she scarred you in so many ways, but also like was the reason why you still here, too. Um, so it's this weird dynamic. And I think we can never get the up- I think men could never get the upper hand over their mom. You always have to just respect your mother. You always have to do all these things. And and, and moms do have um, especially single moms do have um, there's, uh, so many ways that they can approach how to do this on their own or if they are you know, open to be partnered again in some way, shape, or form. It's always some particular approach. What I've learned and what I've seen in myself is honestly one of, I think, this phenomenon, I'm glad, didn't strike me so deeply. But I think mm. how it has manifested is in this... Um, I think it's manifested in a, um, in my own relationships and um, the level of consideration, the level of regard in certain instances. Because I think my mom was a woman who didn't need much. Hmm. So, and she never seemed like the extremely emotional type either. Um, so for me, I feel like I've always been expressive. I've always been all these things. So I did never question my emotionality until I started to get into even deeper long-term at least the intention was to be in the long-term relationships and, and that be the, the criticism that I got. And then I had to really take a full assessment of myself and I've had, and luckily I've, you know, grown a lot from that and understood exactly where that come from. And even have like went back to the source and talked to my mom in a lot of ways about these things and these exchanges. And she's, you know, 
discover things within ourselves. And damn near tries to, you know, try to take some claim like, damn, well, I'm the reason why you probably do that. Or I'm the reason why you do this and do that. And always, you know, ease her mind by saying, you know, yeah, but that ain't something for you to hold now. Because like, I'm a grown ass man. I got to be the one to fix or, or, or be mindful of these things. You did what you did and it is what it is, but I'm not going to hold that against you. And I'm definitely not going to scapegoat it to you either. And I think for a lot of men, they do that subconsciously and from just a space of just pure muscle memory. And it gets even deeper and even more toxic when your mom just perpetuates patriarchy and like toxic masculinity right into your ass. You know what I'm saying? Because she believes that that's how you should be. So fuck you hating her. She just teaching you kind of how to go about hating women too. Um, Because that's what she believes. This is how men are. So this is what I'm going to tell you to be too. So you just come up in that same way. The sense of kind of nurturing, compassion, consideration, um, seeing of humanness, I think is what lacks in a lot of men, a lot of all male spaces. Women, women are still seen as property, utility, owner, just possessions in so many cases. So I think the hate in a lot of, a lot of ways, and you could tell me where you feel like, you know, at least in from a social standpoint where you see it kind of manifesting or see what the sources of it or the triggers of it are really, yeah, let's say the triggers of it. Cause for me, the triggers for it to me usually are uh, things like um, this whole idea that black women can pretty much say whatever the fuck they want to say. They can say whatever they want to say online. They can go at anybody. They can quote unquote jump on anybody to quote unquote cancel or whatever the fuck. And black men can never just say what the fuck they feel. They can never just, you know, speak their opinion and so on and so forth. So we got to just keep it to ourselves so we don't get canceled. So we whatever, whatever. The rebuttal's too strong. So let me just keep it to myself. That's what I've noticed. But tell me, what have you noticed to be these particular triggers for certain men to kind of express this, this true ideology that I think people are cemented to? And that is, yeah, you got a problem and you really don't like women. You really hate them even. Um... I think one of the main challenges would probably be when they feel that there is a total war of masculinity Mm. in the the setting, Um, which I find to be one of the main reasons why men tend to be very um, aggressive Mm. in conversations with me. Yeah, yeah. Um, And because as opposed to them finding a level of flattery in the manner in which I can conduct myself and maintain in a conversation, they feel as if I am trying to over-dominate and emasculate them. Yeah. And I find that in most cases, men begin to show their certain level of hatred for women when they find themselves being challenged. Mm. And for me, I'm like, I'm not interested in developing a relationship with your ego. So please check that because this isn't the manner in which I'm approaching you, but don't miss, don't misguide my, level-headed stubbornness as me not leaving there that level of space for there to be that form of leveling out because essentially that's where the complication is coming from if a man feels that he's not the one that is in the in the lead or is not leading um oftentimes you are met with those circumstances where it's just like a woman a particularly black women are able to say things and there's no consequences to their actions. No, 
there's a different level of acceptance to me being able to vocalize what I have to say. And there's still being that margin of error where it either irregardless is going to be washed out. So for there to be that kind of statement where it's just like, oh, women, black women can say what they want. There's no consequences. No, black women can say what they want and there will be no repercussions to the person that they're even referring to or the circumstances that they're talking about. Because countless times we have gone and we talked about the level of hatred or the level of victim blaming that goes on when it comes to rape cases. Or if we mentioned, begin to talk about how there's certain level, even this conversation is like this, but oh, well, you're just playing the victim. Mm-hmm. Well, no, anytime women, and in some cases, black women say anything, it's already washed out by the teenage rhetorics of, well, what did she wear? Did she bring it upon herself? Um, well, she's she's a black woman. She has attitude, or she doesn't need no man. It's all these other things that can, that they feel that if they say it justifies why she said that. Or my favorite one, everyone thinks that a black woman's opinion has to come because she has daddy issues. Um, Or that she's a gold digger or she's looking for money. So things like that, I think that is what caused for there to be that convoluted uh, era around people believing that, oh, well. (laughs) There's just that um, auntie's making the world a better place. Be careful. Um, where they're putting in that space where it's just like, yeah, no, what you said was this. And that's just, we'll just let that go over. At the end of the day, my ego's bruised. Yeah. And we're like, well, how do we get to talking about your ego when we were just having this full out dialogue that was causing for there to be room for growth? But now I have to sit here and massage your ego. That's interesting. I think that's that's spot on too uh, on what I was, uh, another thing I was thinking about. Just because... I think it's interesting how, you know, how much women have to kind of, you know, compromise to be in spaces with men sometimes. And I think I'd be surprised all the time when I learn new new ways and new reasons and new uh, just new methods that women come up with to be like, no, I got to either make myself smaller or like manage my own things because either I'm just choosing not to engage in some because I know it gonna, it's going to be a thing. And so, mm-hmm. I, and I just don't, I'm not in the mood for it. Like just having to play dumb or having to just make yourself small in any capacity to really make room for this man to just be not even himself. And just a little bit, the least bit comfortable. Yeah. Just a look, the least bit comfortable with the act of him acting out of who he is. And that's the part that's so trippy to me. Um, I think so much about black women in, in a sense that I think the the whole opinion about uh, y'all being, you know, having an attitude and all those different stereotypes, I think comes from a place in a space of really just transparency and realness. It's like, y'all like that. It, y'all, y'all vibe off that. That's what you desire and want in life. Um, and in so many ways, we always have to exchange that in the real world. And black men know this. That's the crazy part that it's even a, um, a phenomenon that really exists amongst men and black men and women specifically. Because black men know that they have to have this double consciousness when they go out into the world, especially if they choose to be in corporate America. So it's like making yourself small, making yourself non-threatening, doing all these things that black men are quote unquote told that we must do to be in these spaces. 
for other men specifically. So it's still us doing it for other men. It's still us kind of, you know, almost um, belittling our own characters and our own essence for the sake of some sense of masculinity to make more room for some sense of masculinity inflated or whatever it is. And I think that's an interesting thing because I think it's usually either for survival. It's usually for survival for the moment or survival in some other instance. Cause I've even heard women speak to, you know, them being in them being in uncomfortable situations and that being their choices that they make. Cause it's like, I'd rather just make this motherfucker comfortable so I can just get home and night instead of feeling like he might, I don't, I don't want to know what it's like if I challenge him and he gets upset, you know, because I don't. And I, I also think that that's something that men should talk about more often, because I think so many things of what men do for other men comes out of space of fear, anxiety and uncomfortability as well. But now it's damn near just, you know. It's, it's habitual at this point, you get out the way, you do all these things, you give respect you 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 be little broad and all this other bullshit because he, you rather be in a good space with this man instead of them being able to have some type of I don't know bend their type bend their whim or whatever power they feel like they have on you and that is from a physical or a social or mental and emotional space it's fucked up it's really fucked up um I do believe that um I do believe that there is something about the kind of, you know, the rules of engagement. I think the rules of engagement usually show how much men feel uh, truly triggered by the idea of women having agency, women having power in any instance, because it's always uh, met with some sense of disgruntledness. And I've, shit, I've, I've caught myself even having to question why I'd be so passionate about certain things. Um, because double standards do exist in our world, but I think men really hold really, really personal feelings about certain double standards. Um, it's forever going to be, I think we always need, I think forever need to just give up on it ever going away. We're going to forever just hear these, you know, $200 dates and is this a date type of ass conversations. But when it comes to just this acts of, the act of us interacting with each other for the first time and us getting to know each other, there's always been just a certain way that it can go about it. Even though times are changing, even though things are changing, even though women are completely different than women's of generations past, certain things have stayed, certain things have changed, certain things need to be changed, certain things have upgraded, so on and so forth. But I think what has held very true is that men don't like the rules of engagement. They rather always have the upper hand in a situation and they usually blame the wrong person for why the rules of engagement are the way that they are. You tell me if I'm wrong. Niggas be mad about $200 dates as the expectation from some women when it's niggas out here doing $200 dates. <laughs> like it's not. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it's 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 like it would be one thing. It would be one thing to be but but the energy of that being a standard is push to women. It's like everything that quote unquote men complain about that we have an issue with. We never think about patriarchy, masculinity, any of these things, man related being the cause of it. It's no, no the reason why child support and all this other shit. That's, that's women shit. That's, that's women. <laughs> it's what so many niggas feel. And I'm like, so a woman came up with child support. So a woman made this thing up. So that all niggas can do all these different things. That's what it is, huh? That's what it no. is. 
when it screams something a man would have done. I I mean, I, it's... It, but tell me why you, you, why, you tell me why you, you see it that way. Break it down. Break break it down. Why you see it, it screams that? Because I don't think every man sees it that way. It's like this benefit women and da 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 and this and that. Tell me why. Because think think about it. <laughs> Imagine a time where there was a woman dating a man and mm-hmm. she was making way more money than he was. Mm-hmm. And because she found there to be a sense of solitude, and she. You, you'll find this to be oftenly more prominent in, in in relationships where a woman is more married to her career than she is to her spouse. And in circumstances like that, you'll find that the man has allowed himself to step into the position of a stay-at-home dad. Mm-hmm. And he's decided that, you know what, because you are making these levels of success and wherein I may or may not have tapped into my potential or B, have, have decided that, I wanted there to be someone present in our kids' lives through their matriculation of their younger or their childhood that I'll I'll volunteer to stay home. And when he finds himself in a situation where he he has he hasn't even processed that he has made these exec, these decisions that have caused for him to lead to his own emasculation, then now it's the woman's it's the woman's responsibility from here on out together or not together for her to be the sole provider since she had already stepped into that position. Now, do the reverse. In a lot of circumstances, when a woman is in that position, she goes forth and she takes care of what she has to do. There's a lot of single mothers out here who do not have child support. The children don't know their father. The woman is taking the necessary sacrifices and making the necessary decisions to go and provide for herself. Now, a woman's scorn is one thing, but a man's bitterness outdoes anything because he can re- access a different level of pettiness. And that's on God's green earth. <laughs> there are men that are way more pettier than women. The only difference is, is a woman, when she thinks of her revenge, is more long-term. Whereas a man, he is more short-term and looking for, he's looking for reparations so immediately that he couldn't have very well made something as small as child support. I'm pretty sure the first child support case was in, in, in favor of a man getting spousal support from a woman. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. To me, I've learned something. I've learned, um, I believe in the state of Texas, and whoever's listening can correct me if I'm wrong. I believe in the state of Texas that it, if you are employed in a company that is operating within Texas, that a part of your intake process is that they give your name, your social, your address, all those things, regardless if you have children or not, to the people who manage child support within that state. So that way, there's no running around looking for you. So that way, if you do have a child, they got your ass. And they know where you work. We, 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 we subpoena you. We need to come to children's court. And we need to do any of that. Nope. We already got your information. We already know what you're at. We already know what you're doing. We already know how you how much you make. So pop out with a baby. We got that money. You feel me? Um, and it's a lot yeah. of different reasons as to why that is, because I think it's long winded. People don't realize like how much just how much money is within everybody that comes into this world and trying to and like the government, big commerce, civil engineering is trying its best to find a way to make as much money as it can and squeeze every fucking dollar out of every single walking living person in this motherfucker because that's the only way they can make shit work, make shit happen. So if you of a certain race, 
If you're from a certain neighborhood, they got programs. They got a project project that you are supposed to be a part of that could nine times out of 10 fall into these buckets of some sense of uh, revenue. So it may be prison industrial system, maybe the workforce. It may also be a multifaceted thing. It may be all those things plus child support, all those things plus uh, the city's fees and taxes, um, ticketing, uh, whatever kind of criminal system. So after you even out of jail, you still having to pay senses of uh, things of like restitution and all these other things. It could be in so many different ways. If you fail on your child support, it's like a, it's just a domino effect of things that's going to gain them money. So it's like yeah. you're paying this nine times out of 10, we may be charging and having some sense of money on that thing for processing. So we always getting a piece of every father that does this thing. Same way with child yeah. support court, same way with pay, you know, all those different things. It's a system that we make a lot of money from. And I don't think people really connect the dots to that. Men are making the most money from child support. A man is making the most money from child support. There are men making the most money from child support. And it's not from the standpoint of just a directly like, oh no, they got a bunch of women on child support and that's where they're getting it from. It's the system itself. Let's not think macro where everybody getting rich off something. That's not the world we live in. We live in America. It's capitalism. It's about it. I just learned today. No, yesterday. Daylight savings time just passed. People always complain about daylight savings every year. It happens twice a year. And the same fun facts usually come out. How Arizona doesn't do it. Da, da. It was some, some farmers and all this other shit. And you will learn these niggas it has nothing to do with some farmers. Arizona doesn't do it because they just genuinely don't want to as a state of that they live in. And that the quote unquote real story allegedly is that a bunch of lobbyists lobbied for daylight savings time. And it's really only been a thing for, you know, since the 60s because they just wanted to golf longer. So we're just talking about a collection of a few people who have a lot of fucking access and power making a decision that will ultimately really just benefit them and kind of make everyone else uncomfortable and everyone else being in inconvenience. So we can sit here and go play all day. This kind of, you know, well, a woe is me type of situation of like, man, I ain't, you know, I thought I was, you know, with, no matter what the scenario is, we was good. Everything was good. And the babies came and now she hate me. Or <laughs> I just slipped up, fucked around, fucked around this joint. I shouldn't even been fucking with it. Now, now she got me all types of child for my check. My, my own got shit. I don't got nothing. And I get it. And I feel for some of these brothers because some of them really be in a bad situation. But yeah. you know what could help those things? You know what can, you know, assist you, assist you out of that situation is communication, is some compassion, some love, some presence. Um, because I've seen it happen. I've seen women not go those routes because this nigga be here. Like he be put, he be giving me money all the time for these kids. Yeah. He always around. I always get breaks whenever he, I need him for something. He's there. Yeah. We might not be yeah. together. And it is what it is, but we great co-parents. I don't see a reason to put them on child support. Yeah. The communication is there and the communication the support and actual presence and co-parenting is all solid. So why else would you go these particular routes? But I don't think that's the, what the, I don't think that's what men have comprehended, which makes them feed into the hate already. 
And then let, don't let it be other things. And I want men to grow their nuance on certain things. Cause it'd be, I know you probably seen the whole things about, you know, um, you know, I can't even live. Like my baby mom feel like she tra- controlling my life and da da and this and that. And, and in most cases, it'd be it'd be a, a sense of nuance. It's like this is a person that you haven't really built the trust with to do just go about and her being able to trust your judgment with things. You don't really you haven't really given her the the the, the true examples of all right. I can trust you with these kids. I can trust you who you're going to bring around these kids because you're a trustworthy, solid individual. So you say, oh, I'm about to come get my kids because I'm hearing my kids around some random ass person that I don't even know. You saying that she blowing your spot when she protecting her children. Got to be okay with that. It's, a, it's, it's, it's not something that we can just be selfish about. We got to approach all those things with whatever. But let, let, us, let us pivot to something that I think, you know, usually makes this show up a lot as well. And I mentioned it earlier about, you know, men loving pussy, but not really loving women as a whole, you know? Where where has it, where have you, and you can you can you can express as much as you feel, where have you noticed that particular aspect of this happening the most in your own life? Like, or is there a scenario where you've noticed, like, oh, I really am not seen. I really am not, this is really just, oh, oh. Gotcha. You know what I'm saying? Like, let 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 the people know. And I, and I, I think I'm I'm gonna think of a moment where I feel like I've done the same. Hell, just just, just to keep it a beam. Um, to the um, to the extreme measure of the conversation, no, I haven't personally endured that. Mm-hmm. But I have found myself in openly, uh, predominantly male conversations. Mm-hmm. Because um, I have, I do have a significant amount of male friends that I am able to be in those rarely candid conversations with, and you can hear them like, "Yeah, yeah, no, nah, you know, I was just trying to hit." And yeah, yeah, like you said, it is, it is, a, it is a level of just clout for being able to to sleep with a certain particular woman. Hell yeah! And it could be based off of her looks, it could be based off of stature, it can be based off of the level of difficulty. It was to get that woman to notice them. Mm-hmm. And in most circumstances like that, it's just like, wow, beyond the physical attraction that you have for this person or they're varying your desire to just, just sleep with her, you did not find it necessary to comprehend who she was or what type of energy exchange you were about to encounter. Because a lot of people don't take that into account. Like sex isn't just a, the action of penetration. It is an energy exchange. You are taking on, you're doing an energy energy exchange. That's a, truthfully what it is. But in most cases, I find it when men are very, very open about their body count. And I'm like, yeah, you don't like women. You just like pussy. There's a difference. Mm. There is a very clear difference because shouldn't no, should no man's body count be as high as I know somebody's to be? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like that's just wow like you can just see that you're just like this colorful canvas of different energies and a lot that and I'm pretty certain that a lot of things you feel a lot of ideas you have are not yours they're just not yours they're just a conglomerate of all the people you've slept with and mm-hmm. you haven't allowed yourself to heal from or filter from um, but mostly being in cases where you could just see like the aftercare. Like, where's the aftercare? 
Mm-hmm. And and I and you know, I noticed that to be something that has been lacking throughout the generations of of society is there's no aftercare after sexual encounters. Yeah. You know, are you are you getting that hot towel for him? You know, mm-hmm. just placing it nicely on him. Is he after you all may or may not have done a little bit of, you know, B, BDM, is he, you know, is he caressing the places that he spanked? Is he rubbing your hands after he's handcuffed them? Like, where is the aftercare? Mm-hmm. It's not. It's just like, all right, I'm going to zip up, I'm head out, uh, yeah, yeah. change your sheet, I'm out. You know? Yeah. Like, where, where got, Hey, can I get, hey, hey, where the water at? Okay, in the back? Okay, thank you. So cool. I'm, I'm going to grab it on my way out. <laughs> you know and, and, and women and women do it too i mean i used to be one of those people like i'm gonna just head out yeah yeah and they're like what i'm not saying like what mm-hmm. i'm gonna go yeah yeah but as you, as you mature you realize the importance of that level of exchange mm-hmm. because you stop being you stop being one of those things that can be abused for people's just sexual adventures. And then you start holding men accountable to not being in a position where that's all they're seeking is that sexual satisfaction because that's where it is. It's just this will of the men. Like, well, if I can be desirable to be the desired and the being the one that's doing the desiring, you just, it's like ping pong, but yeah, taking the step away from that, and being something of substance yeah. and presenting that level of boundaries where it has to be of substance, yeah. it begins to remove that level of approach to any circumstances. And of course, there's always going to be those slips through the cracks. But as the collective consciousness rises, we'll find ourselves being in positions where there are more meaningful connections being established and causing for that to be a redirect and healing of generational curses yeah. and bringing about generational wealth mm-hmm. and really bringing back into the community the importance of unity and the collectiveness of, well, these are your resources. These are my resources. These are my strengths. Your strengths counter my weaknesses. And we start to see that cohesion in the mobility of, of people and being able to access those those resources that people will consider are not accessible to people of our stature or people of our color. And most importantly, allowing ourselves to step into rooms where we wouldn't have never thought to have been and people don't consider us to be applicable in. Mm-hmm. So around those circumstances is where we have to start applying these relatively speaking uncomfortable conversations and doing the shadow work. And that's where it really comes down to is like, are you doing that shadow work for yourself? Because if you're not presenting your best self and your best energy, you're not going to be bringing, bringing forth the best form of environments that calls for you not only to grow, but when you leave and these impressions on that they're not withering while you walk away. And that's Damn. why in most circumstances, you see that where like men are leaving these trail of heartbreaks. No, you're leaving a, a trail of these different type of damaged circumstances that some are able to heal from but some aren't and they're just going around they're just poisoning the well because as they go um so that that for me is is the the contents and how that just you know travels through about one person's decision or that one form of ideology perspective yeah i I appreciate that i appreciate that because i think that's you said so much but i i feel I feel drawn to point out like how you 
but pointed out how, for one, everybody's so, you know, comfortable talking about how many people that they have slept with. I remember uh, asking my mama, of all people, I was like, at your age, ma, which my mom wasn't old at this time. She was probably in her 40s when I asked her this. Um, <laughs> but I asked her, I was like, does, does, I was like, is that something that you, because she, she, She's a single, she's a single, single middle-aged woman. So I'm like, okay, does body count even come up in conversation when you're, you know, talking to new men and all these different things? She was like, I'm, most of the people I'm talking to got kids on second and have been on, on marriage three, like the marriage three is over or something. Like it's, we got bigger fish to fry. <laughs> like we don't give a damn about how many bodies your ass done had. Cause it really don't, it's. It doesn't really inform much. It's a whole lot of things that tell me more about you in the now right. than knowing how many people knowing about your you know sexual past to to that degree, which I took as you know, it's interesting how we you know just excess you know obsess over certain things you know at this age and um, obsessing over that certain thing because it feels like something that you can really have some sense of um, victory on. You know, I think very often I, I I've notice in our the world we live in how um how motherfuckers want to gamify everything how everybody how everything is a competition everything is a contest um everything is a stat because we live in this nation of like we somebody needs to be the winner somebody needs to be the best first world superpower world power like everybody it has to be something triumphant it cannot ever be just what it is it can never be something that's just to the ground, something that's solid, something that's moderate. Moderation is not sexy for people. It's like, hey, no, I I eat three square meals a day, snacks, I drink all the water I need, and that's it. That ain't sexy. But you it's really lovely and real intriguing for people who are for it and against it to hear a motherfucker be like, no, I'll be popping Molly. Like every day I do a like a Zambar, I do a, you know what I'm saying? I got some lean right now, I'm drinking. That sounds like Oh, this is intriguing. There's a lot going on with this person. <laughs> and I think it's the same type of um, dopamine high when people are able to genuinely speak their truth of, oh, all I did was put all these people into a box of of my kind of, these are these, not even trophies. These are just, you know, ticks on my belt. And, um, and it's interesting. I will say that, you know, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I've never been the self-righteous type. We all, we all, we all have done, done, done dirt. And I, I can say, I, I spoke to it before, I think on my fuckboy episode, and I think I expressed what I feel like was my, uh, my own particular version of fuckboyness at a particular age. Um, and I think for me, it was still very much an example of um, ignoring agency and, and, and an expression and a perpetuation of hating women as who they are, because I, I think for me, um, I knew I knew I knew that the tactics that I think I knew all other men my age at that time were using was just game. I'm gonna lie to you. I'm gonna trick you into this, and then you gonna give me some pussy, and here we are. And then I'm gonna just not call you, and it is what it is. I was very upfront, which was extremely manipulative, you know, because I was because I knew that you I knew what you wanted from me. So it was kind of this idea of like, okay, cool. Well, this is well, since that's since we all got it all out, we get it. Okay. 
this is what it ain't going to be. This is what it is going to be. And this is what can happen if we allow it to happen. And nine times out of 10, no, if you were already there, we were already in this space, especially if we were alone and we in this tight, it's like we got the room and the opportunity right there. Room and opportunity right over here. It ain't like we just talking in the middle of, of the calf and we can't get it popping right now. <laughs> we, I'm having this conversation when they hot and ready, like a damn little Caesars, you feel me? And I'm sitting here breaking this down to him like, so we're about to have sex. And I am not your boyfriend. You are not my girlfriend. Tomorrow, yes, you can text me. Yes, I might text you. Yes, we may do this again. But know that what it ain't and what it is. And in actuality, I'm bargaining so many things that you, I'm like damn near negotiating, taking away so much from you in that moment. Because in reality, you might like me like me. Fucker just wants some dick. You want it all. <laughs> and you enjoy the the uh, the proximity to feeling like you're getting a piece of what you want, but it's not really all of what you want. And nine times out of ten, what eventually made me come out of that mindset was realizing after doing it so many times and realizing how much pain I was causing and realizing like because it was it got to the point to where somebody literally confronted me about it and was just like, I do not like how I'm just this booty call to you and this, that, and the third. For real, V? And she confronted me about this. And so I'm like, all right, cool. We don't got to do this no more. <laughs> we don't. I won't call you. I won't even fuck with you like that. I, I do not want you to feel like this because we ain't even that deep, Right. We don't, I can count many times we had sex. I, that, that was how I responded to her, and the pro and the how I, what woke me out of this particular toxic mindset was that she responded to me after saying what I said with "No, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I want. I still want to fuck. I still want to have sex with you. I just don't want it to feel like I'm just this like you know here there going to mark like I don't want to feel like that. And I'm like okay. And I left and I knew in my heart of hearts, Rodney, you have been the, the practitioner of some real fucked up shit. And she don't even realize that she's signing up to continue in this program. And you really got to just go ahead and just stop the bullshit where it is. Fuck it. This ain't even you just leaving her high and high and wet, not even high and dry. You ain't just leaving her high and wet. Goddamn. This is actually you stepping away and, and getting your own shit together and changing your mindset around this. And I think that made me such a better person to come into that, to realize that. <laughs> it's the truth. Cause because after that, I think I just came, I just start went on this series of damn apologies and like understanding, like, damn, I, I really fucked you over. You know what I'm saying? Like, I really fucked you over, you know? And it made me better for it. And I'm glad to be on the other side of things, to be able to speak to men and speak to women about how because because I never would have categorized myself as that in that time, in that present time. Um, mm -hmm. Because in my head, I'm like, no, the fuck boys and the niggas who players and so on and so forth are niggas that who out here lying, niggas who out here doing it amongst being in relationships and being amongst partnered with people. But I'm telling it like it I'm is. I'm telling it like it is. I'm solo dolo. I'm single as motherfucking crab cheese and Pringles. I can do what the fuck I want. Ain't no, ain't no shame in my game type of thing. And it still was. I was still causing harm in some way, shape, or form. And um. And I'm so glad to be above it. I'm so glad to be elevated from that. I'm so glad to not be that much of a caveman anymore. 
But I do believe that so many men uh, do that. And I, and I, I wanted to um, double back to so one thing you said about um, care. And um, I'm actually, I literally wrote something down today that I'm, I'm, I'm going to create some content actually specifically around um, kind of like pre and post uh, like sexual care. Um, but I, I feel like, you know, I also noticed and was, you know, spoke and had a really deep conversation because I believe high, high suggestion. I feel like I've tweeted about this before. Men and women and whoever, you, however you identify, make sure you debriefing after sex. Not only should you do the aftercare, talk about the sex. If you never talk about the sex, the sex will never get better or maintain its quality. It's just how it goes. You might have you might have towed that ass up. She might have really put it on you. Y'all might have rocked each other's world. The next time y'all do it, you don't know understand how in the hell y'all can't make that shit happen again. You don't understand why it's not clicking like it was. It was just it's just not the same. I don't know. It's I felt you know y'all didn't say shit. Y'all didn't talk about it. Y'all didn't talk about why it was fresh in the moment. You feel me? Light a light a light a light a square like the old times and talk about this. No, nah, don't don't really light a square. But nevertheless. What I what I got from a, a debriefing session one time after sex was about kind of caressing and presence, like me me actually doing it, and also have gotten a uh, gotten the 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 actual um, critique of like doing it more. It's like I want you to like like to show me that you're there, like show me that you see me, not that you're just inside of me. You know what I'm saying? So it's an energy, but it's also motherfuckers are paying attention to everything during sex. And I think men don't realize, like, if your ass on some just, you know, bullshit, you know what I'm saying, wham, and truly bam, and thank you, ma'am. And especially, you know, I heard I heard out here from the ladies, fellas, you know, fellas, y'all ain't out here lasting that long either. So if it's all, all this combination of things, then it really feels like you just came here for some pussy and that's it, and here we are. So have presence. Feel on the body. Let it be known. Hey, I'm. I'm I, hey, you got thighs on you. I, I. I can feel it. I can tell, and I love it, and I appreciate it. I appreciate blank names, thighs. I appreciate blank name, stomach, fupa, feet, whatever it is. Adorn that shit. You feel me? Make sure that she she know that you there, and that you know that you see her, that she's there, and it'll hit completely different for you. And her. Just a little tidbit. But no, I think that um I want to talk about, you know, ways that you feel like this can change. Ways that you feel like this can be actually better. How can we actually move away from this being the phenomenon? Because I, I do believe that so many things haven't changed in the world that we live in because it truly is a situation where no one feels like anything can happen. Like, we can't fix it. It just has been this way forever, so, yeah, we can't change it because it's always been like that. What do you feel like would be the first the first step into some sense of solution, I guess? The first would be the process of eliminating um, other people's ideologies and perspectives and mm. stepping out of the systematic structuring that we've been conditioned to believe is how we're supposed to prevail in life. Mm. 
Yeah. And in most circumstances, that means to, you know, you got to unlearn to relearn. Yeah. And stepping into that and, and allowing yourself to step into your own power and your own recognition of how you believe things can better be suitable in the absence and involvement of your impressions and your ability to make an influence. Because if you don't, then you're going to just always find that the circumstances being oversaturated with the same level of toxicity and no one's going to be able to actually get to the root of that problem. Instead, they're going to find themselves having to debunk and make sense and explain something that isn't even rooted towards the circumstances, but it's so on the, on the surface and it's being dealt with so much that that's the only thing that people can see. But you're not seeing that it's causing for there to be a, a certain leverage towards something else if this continues to prevail. There isn't being a level of con condonement or any level of consequences for someone's actions. Instead, it's just, well, that's the way it's always been. That's the way it's always going to be. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. But if we take that opportunity to say like, hey, this isn't even actually my thought process. This isn't even actually how I feel about the circumstances. And quite frankly, I'm going to just go fix what I got, you know, building up in me trauma wise. And I'm going to come back and I'm going to revisit the circumstances. But a lot of that will have to come from people doing the shower work. Mm -hmm. When people talk about spirituality, they just think it's just like meditation, journaling, yoga, sage, <laughs> you know, <laughs> veganism. No one actually takes the opportunity to believe that it has every and anything to do with you doing the shower work. Mm -hmm. Like what parts of you like eliminating that toxicity? taking the time to heal from that trauma mm -hmm. to taking accountability for your triggers and stop asking people to adapt to them. Yeah. Yeah. Because that, that's truly how people are moving. They're asking people to adapt to their triggers. That's a Little good point. <laughs> I, I think that's, I think that's a beautiful, beautiful way to, uh, for people to start. Shadow work is something that's hard for a lot of people. I think I'm a big proponent of it. I think I'm still in the midst of um, organizing my own, um, things, because I think where I've gotten to after, you know, reading such books about um, just male archetypes and things that, you know, really focus in on your negative and the negative things that men can be capable of. Um, and you see yourself and when you see yourself in that, because I do believe that men have a morality issue. I think we have an issue with morality. And the way that this shows up in so many cases is that um, very often when men are accused of things, um, rape, sexual assault, some form of hate in some way, shape or form. Hence why when I, I think I tweeted about this and spoke to this on Twitter at some point, And I remember somebody I knew was just like, what do you mean? Is this really a thing? Women really think this? I was like, yeah, my nigga, it's a thing. Um, men, men don't, men have this, uh, let me let me be let me be specific about my words. Very uh flexible and malleable definition of what good is, you know? So as long as they can they can find the the good in a thing, then that can wipe out the thing. Did he mean to do this? Did he have good intentions? Then we can't hold this against him. Oh, is he a good guy and it's the first time he ever did something wrong? Can we really hold this against him? Oh, he's never had a hateful bone in his body. Can we really hold this against him? He's done so much good in the community. 
can we really hold this against him? He's given us so much good music, good work, good comedy, good whatever. Can we really hold this against him? Um, I think every man ultimately wants to see themselves as being good, being a man of good moral standing because they see themselves. Most men will eventually see themselves as fathers, see themselves as quote unquote patriarchs of some sort. So it's like, I'm a good leader. I'm a good person. I'm a good whatever, because people I have money. So people must think I'm good at something. I have some I have some sense of respect. So people must think I'm good at that or this. I'm good. Being faced with your own kind of, you know, consequences, repercussions to your actions brings you down a peg, takes you off your own self pedestal. And I think a lot of men have an issue with that. And so when it comes to this particular conversation of men hating women, it's like, what you mean? I love my mom. <laughs> I love my mom. <laughs> That's probably the first thing a bunch of niggas would say. Oh, I love my bitch. What you mean? Like, <laughs> Like, I love her ass. (laughs) All that shit is what a lot of men would respond, but they don't understand how things show up. They don't understand how certain things are perpetuated and how these things are really, really ingrained and embedded in ourselves in in so many ways, even in a person. I, I feel like I'm a pretty decent dude, but even in me, how I still, you know, manifest these things within society as well. Um... A solution that I believe, honestly, I echo what you said about shadow work, but honestly, um, something that I'm writing about, I'm still trying to figure out because I feel like every time I start writing about it, it gets big, long winded. So I got to find a way to make this into something. (laughs) I got to find a way to make this into something. I have a a theory that I've, um, I guess, you know, I guess, in fact, you know, uh, somewhat called the black hole paradox. That's what I call it, right? And I believe my theory is that every single black man has this particular void within their identity, within who they see themselves to be. And they allow. And because of that void, there's this this open wound, this open door that anything can fly into this space. Anything can fly into this thing to define what this thing is, Um, define what this person is. So so many men emulate and imitate um, other men that feel like that's the best way to go. It's niggas out walking around here, literally wearing their hair and getting tattoos just like Nipsey fucking hustle right now. What kind of craziness is that? It's people out here who fuck a, I'm, I want to be just like, I want to do something similar to, I want to be that nigga. I want to be just like them is how a lot of men move. And I've seen the complete opposite with women in most cases. Women be inspired. And y'all will damn near obsess over... Tr- y'all will not do it because y'all don't can't figure out a way to be exactly different. While niggas would do it and just be like, yeah, I'm the same. I'm the same, niggas. Yeah. Then like, <laughs> hey, so uh, was Young Thug your inspiration in terms of the way you rap? Yep. I, I listen to Thug, Gunna, <laughs> and I rap just like them. Proud. They're like proudly standing in that shit. I think that men have an identity issue and hence why it feels so good when people find established foundational things that make them that kind of complete that circle for them. Even if it really don't, at least does it for the moment. So yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna join this gang. I'm gonna have a sense of purpose. I'm gonna have a role. I'm gonna have some, some, something to do. Yeah. I'm gonna join this frat. I'm gonna have a role. I'm gonna have something to do. 
yeah, I'm going to join this particular occupation. I'm going to have a role in a, in, a, in a path, something to do. We've seen it, though. We've seen how this doesn't really work, though. I've seen so many athletes and so on and so forth truly not feel fulfilled in what they are spending so much of their time doing because that's not how they really are. And I think so much of that is within that. When black men see black women truly being, truly trying to figure out y'all purpose, how y'all want to be treated, self-advocating, all these things, to me, the reaction is projection of their own void. It's like, I don't got that. I don't feel that confident about myself. I would let somebody talk to me any type of way. I will allow this to happen. I will just let somebody control my body. I, I really can't say no. All these different things is what men really are going through. And it's like, feels almost um, the hate comes from a space of like the fact that you aren't me and you don't show, you don't react to these things in the exact same way as I do. I hate you for it. Cause I can't, I, that's not, I don't even know how to be in these spaces. And it's a subconscious battle, obviously. It's not even something that motherfuckers realize they're doing it when they're doing it, but nevertheless, that's what I've noticed. So I feel like there has to be some self-defining. You have to actually admit to yourself, I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know certain things about myself. I do feel like there's parts and points of me that are empty and I need to figure those things out. I need to find my own intuitive practices. I need to tap in with my own uh, ancestors and my own spiritual sources so that I can figure my shit out. But if I'm ducking and dodging, spending 18 hours of the day texting 13 women to see which one gonna let me land in that ass, when am I ever even <laughs> focusing in on me? When am I ever being present with self? When am I ever doing any of the things? I think that's a big way to kind of get to, you know, to a point of something else and to get to a point of loving women instead of hating women for all that they are. Because that's usually what it is. It's like, I hate you for all that you fucking stand for. You care about community, babies like you. <laughs> Everybody wants to be just like you. It's 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 ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? It's it's ridiculous out here um, because it's not like that for black men. If anything, it's it's not like that for black men. And black men in, internalize that shit to a very, very toxic ass level and, um, and 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 then blame women for it. It's like we are where we are because of y'all or we are where we are because y'all y'all got ahead of us. As if y'all needed to slow down in y'all pace of progression in certain aspects. And the crazy part about it is y'all still ain't ahead of us in reality. It's just the perception feels as such because it's a bunch of niggas in jail and so on and so on and so forth. But we can look at the numbers. We can look at the demographics. We can look at how much is made, who, who's making what and who are who are the people making the most money. Yes, I'm glad and proud to say, you know, black women are the most entrepreneurial of all demographics the most uh, educated, but yet that still hasn't brought them out of that particular peg of societal pyramid. Still on the bottom of the damn fucking levels of things. So it's 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 interesting. It's intriguing. And I'm calling bullshit, and I believe um, men got to get out their own way. We got we to stop looking and pointing fingers at motherfuckers and just woos out with ourselves for real. But I, but I would say this. I would say this to you and we can wrap up. I would love to know 
Um, if you have any other things you want to give out here, you know what I'm saying? You want to say to the ladies, say to the fellas, say to the people um, about this particular topic. And we can, we, then we can wrap this thing on up. Or if it's anything you want to ask me. Um, I think I originally did have a question for you, but you did kind of answer it um, in what you were just discussing. But for me, I just applaud people and, and certainly want to take the opportunity to encourage them to, to take the time to look within. Yeah. Um, particularly our black men, we are in the, in the host of the importance of mental health of men. Mm-hmm. And um, taking that time to really allocate accountability and responsibility responsibly. Mm-hmm. Because if you're always looking at other people to be the agitators in your life, and you're always going to look for someone else to be responsible while you're experiencing what you're experiencing. Mm-hmm. Because in most circumstances, it wouldn't be that other per- person's responsibility for you reacting the way that you did if you had a little bit more comprehension on stuff that would cause for you to have these, these forms of emotional reactions. Mm-hmm. Um, and we find those to be more pertinent in circumstances where you are triggered or you're finding in them in circumstances where you do believe that something is going against your beliefs, your standards, your morals, your boundaries, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But really taking that opportunity to just really hold yourself accountable uh-huh. for the things that you no longer can control yeah, and how your circumstances are only as best as the opportunities that you are allowing yourself to be open to and the actions that you're deciding um, to live with those decisions. Mm. Otherwise you're just going to find yourself on this, this merry-go-round of waiting for there to be the highs and then, you know, just succumbing to the lows and just knowing that, well, this is fine because I'll be up again. But you're not taking the time to listen to the lessons and being very aware of how patterns do exist in your actions and they also exist in the circumstances that are being presented to you to bring about growth. Mm. If not, you're going to continuously fall into the stereotypical ideologies the stereotypical categories and the stereotypical circumstances and environments that they say are only designed for you. When it's endless, all the opportunities are endless because you can only have manifestation if you have intention and action working together. Otherwise you're just praying and you're just waiting. And in which you're not gonna reap any fruits of your labor but you are going to find yourself in circumstances where you're just waiting on there to be a hero. And unfortunately we do live in a society where it's a hero complex is pushed on everybody. Yeah. You think there's going to be someone that's going to come and save you from your circumstance, mm. save you from yourself mm. or save you from a situation that you feel that you are bound to by any form of circumstance, whether it be love, whether it be financially, whether it be, this is the best thing coming and yeah. I don't know what's yet. Yeah. Um, but really just stepping outside of that hero complex because no one's going to come save you and no one's going to lay down for you but you and you have to be ready to make that commitment I tell a lot of people who ask me at, at any level of advice is you have to practice being the person you want to be and mm-hmm. the best way you can do that is if you know that you want to be exuding X, you know, doing XYZ 
practice doing X, Y, Z. And you'll find yourself getting closer and closer to being the person that lives throughout the circumstances of those actions, you know? Yeah. I know I'm speaking vaguely, but I know you get me and and, and yeah. I try to leave there to be room for interpretation so that people can find themselves comfortable in other people's advice. Because for someone who doesn't know me, they would be like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> but for someone that is but but for someone that is open yeah. to advice, I'll be like, you know what, you're right. If I want to be someone that people see as a healer, I need to practice being a healer. Exactly. If I want to be someone where I am, I wake up early, I need to practice waking up early. So leaving that room for interpretation and allowing for those level of messages to settle in, you don't need clear diction and you don't need a lot of context to understand that a message is for you. And most importantly, do not fall in love with the messenger. A lot of people find themselves falling in love with the messenger and it can be a situation. It can be a person. It can be um, an experience. Like don't fall in love with the messenger, accept the message, allow yourself to digest that in a healthy setting and then just go from there. But allowing for there to be that, that room of of change because complacency and comfort keeps a lot of people from reaching their fullest potential. Mm. I'm going to leave it on that note because, you know, I, I can get, I can go on and on. No, no, you said something. You, you look, you gave, you, gave, you look, you preaching, you preaching to me right now. I'm telling you, I'm taking it all in. And, um, and I think that's a great way to, uh, to end on. That's a great note to end on. I, I want you all to, um, run this back. These are the, these are the ones you run back. Anytime you say V on it, run them motherfuckers back. You feel me? Just run them, just you know rewind the tape please rewind yeah go ahead rewind this all the way back and let's do it all over again or, or and make sure that you share it with a friend v before you go make sure you tell everybody how to follow you how to uh link with you how to support you in any way that you would like for people to support you girl um you can follow me on instagram vtopia uh v-e-i-t-o-p-i-a um, if you're, if you're still on Tumblr, I'm an advocate for Tumblr. I'm on Tumblr as well. And it is Vtopia as well. Um, and just be on the lookout for some body of works. I am finishing up some stuff. Um, I don't believe good things do come with a long wait. So I am finishing up something that I think will be very enjoyable. Yeah, go tap in, go tap in, and yes, you are an advocate for Tumblr because I don't, I do, I don't be on Tumblr no more. Um, and yeah, I love Tumblr. Tumblr is my safe space. Anybody that is an active Tumblr knows that that is a safe space. That's good. You don't have to interact with nobody. It can just be you and the context that you like, and you don't have to talk to nobody. And I love that form of social media. I don't no, I fuck with that. I fuck with that, and I think that's probably that's probably the lore of TikTok too. It's like. You just on there, just scrolling forever. You know what I'm saying? You you don't got to do nothing. Mm-hmm. Just you're just getting getting your entertainment, and getting the fuck on. You don't got to do nothing. You still get the quality entertainment or whatever you like. Um, if, yeah. Yes, make sure you go follow um, V at everything at Vtopia, please. Um, you can follow me if you don't know. You should know at Kings underscore Memoirs on all things in IG, Twitter. And, and, and even Pinterest. You can go find me on Pinterest. Go see my recipes and shit. That's my shit, too. And I love Pinterest. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but nevertheless, uh, you can follow the uh, Simply King Pod at Simply King Pod on IG. Follow the, also follow and like the Facebook page at Simply King Podcast on Facebook. Um, and follow uh, and make sure that you go and subscribe on the YouTube page at Life is King 
uh, at the Life is King channel on YouTube. Uh, more and more content coming soon. More po- unpodcast related content coming soon towards my Kings underscore memoirs page, as well as the Life is King channel. Um, I appreciate y'all. I appreciate y'all. I appreciate y'all bearing with a nigga because life has been life. But you know what? We still out here creating. And um, this, these good conversations ain't going to stop. So make sure that you subscribe and share. This is, life, this is family size content. Just like a big ass bag of chips. So make sure you share them things. You got enough. Go ahead. Give a little bit more to somebody else. And I appreciate you for it in advance. Um, if you don't know, you should know. You you just tuned into the Soulfully Conscious Podcast for Humans, Simply Being Humans. I am Rodney Perry. This has been V. Budai. And this has been Simply King. Peace. Shit, be on my nerves when the kids ringing back to back. Fuck a bitch on stress. It's always the mindset I'm in. But an ex game is not the game. I'm trying to play it all. Is she on your mind? Gonna do what y'all niggas always doing, don't tell me She better understand the consequence of fucking with Cause the night I'll end it, oh Spend about two, three times to make sure all the cancer's gone